The Start On Demand. On demand. Working from home while you're sick. Should you do it? We speak to a human resources director to find out just how that conversation is changing for those who have the ability to work from home, but say they're not feeling all that great. 400 new cases of COVID-19 in Manitoba on Wednesday, but the province says, as it pertains to Omicron, there could be a silver lining. I've got a review of The Matrix Resurrections, which opened in theaters on Wednesday in Manitoba and across the country. And when it comes to shopping, got any stories about last-minute panic, chaos, and mayhem? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, December 23rd podcast for The Start. Hopefully that's not an omen for how this morning's going to go. It is a snowy start to the morning, so that could be a messy drive. It, it, and it's funny, I just put a video on our 680 CJOB Instagram story, Greg, where it's it's lovely. Like, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful if you're just standing there. It's the kind of snow that I enjoy walking in, but on the road, and I would imagine particularly on the highway, maybe not so fun. I'm looking at your video right now. It is quite pretty at Portage in Maine. All those extra lights that have been strung up at the old Bank of Montreal at the Métis Federation building at Portage in Maine, really brightening up that corner. And of course, all the already existing uh, digital display boards and Christmas trees and everything. It's uh, it's quite a magical sight at that intersection. But yeah, that snow is coming down. And uh, I had to roll out the recycling and garbage carts this morning and not too bad out here in NK but we had just a tiny bit of snow earlier in the week and it caused all sorts of issues in the drive in so I hope we're not in for the same sort of thing today but guess what you are our best ambassadors for that 204-780-6868 let us know what you're seeing and I think you're right Brett our uh, friends outside the perimeter might be dealing with it a li- in a different way than we are inside the perimeter this morning. And uh, thankfully not too windy right now. It's a wind east-northeast at 12 kilometers an hour. So it's just, it's snowing. It's a, it's a wintry setting as we uh, approach Christmas, just a couple of days until Christmas. We're actually going to talk, oh, and I forgot to send out a note about that for a conversation at 6.45. I should get on that. But we're going to talk about uh, shopping, last-minute shopping, because today, December 23rd uh, typically one of the busiest shopping days of the year I know um, I think it was back in 2016 in that particular year just given the day of the week that it fell on I think it was a Friday it was anticipated that it was going to be the busiest shopping day of the year where Canadians were expected to spend a billion dollars that day so it's one of the busiest days I think because everybody's scrambling for the last second shopping. So we're going to talk about last minute shopping stories, whether it's panic, mayhem, chaos, as the clay man would say, uh, or maybe, uh, you know, you just left everything till the last minute and you're, you're kind of, kind of DOA. Well, you know, I used to be that last minute guy. I would uh, try and save as much money as I could and, and go shopping uh, last minute on the 24th. And, 
always joke there was a certain group of people and and this is true there are two people that i can think of off the top of my head the only day of the year i bumped into them was at polo park on christmas eve <laughs> at one of them was my one of my best friend's dad's and uh, I won't out them on the air this morning, but uh, we always got a chuckle because it was four straight Christmas Eves we saw one another at Polo Park. And uh, you're right with regard to today being uh, likely the third busiest shopping day of the Christmas season. I, I found a list and it said that Black Friday is the busiest, so then it's Super it's Saturday, it's this so past Saturday, and then, uh, and then uh, December 23rd, that would be uh, today. Okay. That's an American list? That's an American list, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I would suspect that that holds true uh, in Canada as well. In fact, they um, they reference the fifth busiest day as the day after Christmas, a.k.a. Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah. So Boxing Day, clearly, the, I think the busiest for us still. I know Black Friday is gaining steam. Um, God, I remember I, <laughs> I went Boxing Day shopping. Ooh. I want to say seven or eight years ago. Um, it was, as I think it was on a Saturday. I can't, I don't know. It doesn't matter what day of the week it was, but it was a nice day. It was mild enough that I could, I just, all I did, I parked my car on Portage at Valor Road. And then I walked up to Polo Park and I walked to Future Shop, which still existed at the time. And I was able to cover more ground in faster fashion on foot than had I tried to drive in to that madness. Boxing day is, is crazy. I know Forte's had some uh, fun stories of trying to find a parking spot on, I think it was boxing day, right? Jeff Forte. Oh yeah. Don't, don't even <laughs> oh, remind me. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, it took me 45 minutes just to go around the building, just to go around the building over 45 minutes. I was in a panic. It was going to be late for work. <laughs> yeah, some of those adventures, uh, on boxing day around Polo park, uh, are absolutely unbelievable and the places people were prepared to park and to leave their vehicles in such precarious positions in order to get a deal um yeah i'd, I'd stay away from the shopping centers on boxing day i have zero interest brett same here same here i would gone to the days where i would try to get there get get to hmv so i could buy five cds for 20 dollars. hmv okay <laughs> i saw some people on twitter over the weekend talking about some of the different record stores in winnipeg over the years i know we've had that discussion on on our program in the past but boy that does bring back some happy some wonderful memories uh buying the physical music the i was an album guy and there was nothing like plopping down your 12 bucks to get your album that you've been waiting a, a month for and we're gonna continue the shopping conversation at 6 45 after global news at 7 the potential silver lining of mm. omicron global's marnie blunt has those details um Will Reimer at 6.37, going to talk about business support for those impacted by the latest round of public health orders. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back tomorrow. We often talk about silver bells around Christmas time. Well, after Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk silver lining. Could Omicron's spread in Manitoba, bring with it a silver lining. Marty Blunt will have more on that. In our next segment, we're talking last-minute shopping stories of panic, mayhem, and chaos. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that. You can text us a story at 204-780-6868. Uh, 
Um, when did you, GMAC, just very quickly, you said you used to be the last minute guy. When did that change? When I got married. <laughs> I don't know why. I got no better explanation for it than that. Jackie uh, starts shopping for Christmas in January. Come on, and, she's uh, one of those. She's one of those. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She's like we Julie Buckingham. Lindsay Buckingham, I Julie. know, yeah. Very efficient. Look, um, we have twins, right? And so we need two of everything. And so Jackie was um, you know, world champion shopper before I met her. And she continues to be a world champion shop- shopper. And those skills really, really helped uh, while we were raising the boys because you need two pairs of snow, you know, snowmobile boots. You need two ski suits, two ja- two of everything. And we have no other kids, so there are no hand-me-downs. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have to be, uh, you have to be smart with your money. And uh, we've got nieces and nephews and all sorts of people we like to buy for. So, yeah, she just shops throughout the year. It's sort of a, it used to be a weekly thing. Her and her mom and her sister would go shopping on Saturdays. Oh, look what I got. For what? <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> and eventually, you know, uh, remember when I bought this uh, back in uh, 2007? This is going to come in handy today. <laughs> She's like Julie Buckingham, co-host of the news with Richard Cloutier. Julie's got a gift closet, just a closet full of gifts, just in mm-hmm. case. So <laughs> my mother-in-law's got one of those too. So oh wow, I think it's pretty smart myself. Yeah, and I salute those who uh, have the uh, foresight to think of that. Uh, I'm not a last-minute person, but I, I am a procrastinator, and uh, to the point where I actually botched my sister's gift this year. So Kelly, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, maybe I'll explain that further in our next segment. But right now, we want to cover a couple of things here as it pertains to being sick and work, i.e. If you can work from home, should you do it when you're sick? And what if you can't work from home? Like, what if your job just doesn't allow it? And what about businesses affected by the latest developments in the pandemic? Yeah, so on that last one, the the province is announcing new business supports for those impacted by the latest round of public health orders. And uh, Brett, I know when you were sick a couple of weeks ago, it was driving you nuts. You couldn't work from home because you didn't have the wherewithal. You didn't have the uh, equipment to do so. So I want to slide that in there. I I know it was driving you crazy. Up to $22 million is available to businesses like gyms, museums, and restaurants that have been capped at 50% capacity. Finance Minister Scott Fielding says eligible businesses can apply for up to $12,000 each, depending on how many employees they have. Applications start next week and run until January 31st. I think what we're saying to the business community is is we're there. We want to support businesses that are doing everything they can to uh, to maintain their business while making sure that people are protected. So absolutely, there'll be uh, additional supports if need be, depending on what the health orders look like. And while the new financial supports are welcomed by many, some businesses are still struggling as the COVID situation worsens. Global's Will Reimer has more. The doors to the King's Head pub behind me here are staying closed today and they're going to remain that way for at least the next week. It's one of a number of businesses closing down, even as the province just announced new financial supports for businesses impacted by the latest round of public health orders. Essentially, this is like March 2020 all over again. Owner Chris Graves says with the COVID situation deteriorating, 
and a handful of his staff recently developing symptoms, he's preemptively closing up. Instead of having to force everybody to just make a decision, we decided to do it for them. So I've encouraged everybody to go get a test. Uh, we're still waiting on a rapid test. We've ordered some through the government. We've been waiting on that for about four or five days. The Manitoba Chambers of Commerce welcomed the new financial support, but President Chuck Davidson says the next few weeks will be a challenge. When you look at how much business has lost, the amount of debt that they've had to take on over the course of the pandemic, no amount of money that government is going to provide is going to be sufficient. I think what this does is it provides them with a, a little bit of certainty, a little bit of hope kind of going forward. Meantime, both the opposition NDP and Liberal parties slammed the government program as being too little too late. Finance Minister Scott Fielding left open the possibility of more supports for businesses depending on how things unfold in the coming weeks. He also noted the pandemic paid sick leave program was previously extended through to the end of March. Will Reimer, Global News. Boy, there are so many levels to this story, Brett, that, you know, I've shared this, my experience in the restaurant business over the years and, and one story that just always sticks with me and it stuck with me, you know, probably from the day it was shared with me uh, until this very moment. And that's the idea that there are some businesses where depending on the day of the week, one day could be the difference between being able to pay your rent and not being able to pay your rent in terms of revenue and, uh, you know, I, I was a manager at uh, Earl's in Vernon, B.C. back in the day, and our regional manager told us a story about the day they had a fire at the Earl's in Kamloops. There was a fire in the ceiling, and they continued to make their way through the day. They modified how they were working, but they did keep the doors open. They kept serving customers one way or another. And that he told me that story because he gave us a hard time for shutting down because we had a power outage that stopped us from doing things. He says, you know, I understand you had to do what you had to do, but there were ways that you could have stayed open a little bit longer. And that's always stuck with me, stuck with me. And I know the work ethic in that industry and in so many industries, when you're an entrepreneur, Brett, one day, like I said, can be the difference between staying open long-term and not. And people who work in those industries have those same work ethics. I know you do. I just referenced it. And in that story, we heard from the King's Head, uh, an example of one of many Winnipeg restaurants that have closed their doors in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours because they either have symptoms or confirmed cases of COVID within those restaurants. So in that kind of a situation, you can't work from home when you're sick, right? If you work at a restaurant, you're a server, you, you can't go to work no. while you're sick. So you can't work from home. But on... At 8.37, we're going to speak uh, with a human resources director from Legacy Bose and ask the question on whether or not we should be working from home. Now, yes, Greg, when I had my cold, uh, you referenced the fact that I didn't have the equipment, I couldn't do it. But I'm going to say this, after 17 years uh, of not calling in sick because of a cold at CJOB, I always came in with a cold, having sat at home, and not having to work, I am now officially on board with if you are home because you are sick, you shouldn't work even if you have the ability to do your job from home. I think if you're homesick, you're homesick. If you're not well enough to come into work, then you're not well enough to work as far as I'm concerned. 
You can let us know what you think of that at 204-780-6868. We're going to expand on that conversation at 835 because it's been something I've been thinking about uh, for a while. Uh, because it, it started, the, the chat started when uh, our co-host Jeff Braun, he asked me, what are we going to do about the couch potatoes? Can you get a laptop and record the show from home? And I said, well, if I'm not doing the start... I can't really do the couch potatoes. And he said, well, couldn't you use the laptop to do the start? And I said, well, isn't the point of me being homesick to rest and get better? And he said, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. But mm-hmm. I think that's where the whole being ho- sick and working from home uh, thing, I think that's a situation that's probably going to evolve and that conversation is going to change and probably get complicated over the next uh, couple of years. So we'll get into that at 835. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back tomorrow. Today is one of the busiest shopping days of the season, one of the busiest shopping days of the year, the last-minute crunch before Christmas. I'm glad I got mine done yesterday, just being anywhere near the shopping uh, uh, zone of Polo Park was causing me uh, some anxiety because I did have some last-second gifts I figured I should go buy. Um, I saw the Matrix Resurrections, by the way, yesterday. Uh, I'll give a review of that later on in the show. But while I was there, I thought I'll just walk over to Polo Park. Um, and so I dropped in to say hi to our friend Stephen from the Peg. He's got They've got a pop-up in uh, Polo Park. They're on the main mm-hmm. floor if you're looking for a last-second uh, local gift. But um, on the front of last-second shopping, I'm wondering if you've got a story about the panic that you felt or if you got stuck in traffic or if you, you know, got in a fight with somebody over a gift. You know, you give me that. No, I'll get like tackling people in the in, I'm thinking of was the jingle all the way. The Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still love that movie. People hate what on it. What was the name of that That's toy? Jing- jingle all the way. What was the name of the toy? Oh, uh, yeah, what was the uh, Turbo Man. Yes, Turbo Man. <laughs> and not not Booster. Of Screw bo- Booster. Yeah, Booster was like his sidekick or something. That oh, nobody geez. liked. They had lots of Booster dolls, but no Turbo <laughs> nobody dolls. Nobody wanted so. Booster. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, I feel like. I uh, watched it for the first time like two days ago, and it uh, lives up to its reputation of being one of the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, no. What about the brawl with the Santas in the warehouse? On, yeah. Sit yeah. bad. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go around the horn here. Who's got a story? Uh, Greg, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm thinking back to a year, um, I think it was a Christmas after my mom passed away, and so I wasn't really in the Christmas spirit. So one of my friends dragged me out. Come on, I've got to get some stuff for my mom and dad. Okay, fine. So we went to pull a park, and she found something that she wanted for her mom at a store in Polo Park but they didn't have it in stock, but they did alas have it at Kildonan place. So we uh, bundled up and we drove to, to Kildonan place. There was no parking to be found. So she said, well, I'll jump out. You just drive around and then you come back. Well, it took me an hour to get around the mall from the point I dropped her off <laughs> to the point that I picked her up. Well, we weren't boyfriend or girlfriend, but we fought like we did afterward because she figured I must have gone to the bar to have a beer or something for as long as it took. That was before cell phones. There was no way to find out where it was. It took one hour to get from the door around the mall and back again. Most stress ever because I knew she'd be furious. 
<laughs> All right. So traffic problems. There we go. Cameron Poitras, what about you? Well, I'm just a procrastinator. It's just like deep embedded inside my soul. Um, like I recently was getting a gift for Hanukkah for my wife. And, of course, it was it was early this year in uh, late November, early December. And so anyways, I was getting her a custom sweater. And I was thinking, oh, man, it'll probably take me two weeks. And I was starting to get stressed out about it about mid-November. And it'll probably take two weeks for it to you know, arrive and then to do all of the, the work and stuff like that. So I called them about two weeks, and it was like I, I would have needed it on that day. And I called uh, two weeks from that day, and I called them, and I said, well, how long? Like, I, I need this. I need that. How long would it take? And they went, oh, oh, just just an hour. And I went, oh, thank goodness. And then I put it off for two weeks <laughs> until the day that I actually needed to get it. Um, so I don't know. I just, I can't help it. Uh, I just can't help it. <laughs> I was free and clear. Well, hey, I mean, I was, I asked my sister at the beginning of November for ideas for Christmas. And she told me what she wanted. And I don't know why I waited as long as I did, but I didn't look into it until two days ago. <laughs> so naturally, the gift that she wants, which was a locally based gift, is gone. It's sold out. So, Kelly, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on that. I'll have to get that for you sometime in the new year if they restock. Uh, but I'm with you, Cam. Sometimes I procrastinate and I have no idea why. I could have, she sent me the link. I could have, she sent me the link. All I had to do was tap on it and buy it. The end. Forte, what about you? Well, my problem is I don't know what to get someone. Well, for my parents' example, I, uh, I asked them, well, I go, what do you want for Christmas? And they go, we have everything. Don't buy us anything. Well, you know, I got to buy you something. <laughs> so last Friday, I go to St. Vital Center, and I walk around, and I leave empty-handed. And then yesterday, I go to Polo Park. I walk around. I leave empty-handed. <laughs> So now I don't know what to do, and uh, I'm scrambling. I got an idea of what to get them for Christmas, but, you know, like, I don't know. So it's just... I, you I'm have 36 hours, Jeff. You I'm, need to I'm discuss it. <laughs> I'm stressed out right now, okay? That's that's Lots the problem. That's the problem right yeah, now. Cla- get a book. Go get books. <laughs> Jeff Braun, what about you? I can't handle that kind of stress. I, I learned that early on, so I, I am... Pretty self-conscious. Like I go out of my way to make sure I do finish in time. I finished last Friday, which is usually it's a little bit late, later than I like to finish my Christmas shopping because I also can't stand being in a crowd of people. Uh, but the problem is, most years I'll wrap up all my stuff a good, you know, 10, 15 days before Christmas and just be sitting on the couch with my feet up, thinking, "Ha ha, everyone else is a sucker out there in the crowds." And then my mom will call, "Oh, Jeff, could you go get something for Dad for me?" And she'll do this on the 23rd or the 24th. Oh, no. She did it once when it was, Jeff, have you left for the airport yet? I'm like, no, my plane leaves in two hours. I'm leaving now. Could you stop by the mall and get something for dad? <laughs> oh, get like, lost. It's going to take yeah, me half a day to even walk around that place. And I just said, nope, you can put some cash in an envelope or something like that. Uh, <laughs> this is not my problem anymore at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back tomorrow. Before we get into yesterday's COVID case counts and and the potential uh, silver lining that they're talking about, um, I just want to take you behind the curtain. I want to explain something that that happens before virtually every segment. Like I, within between, I want to say. 
30 seconds to even 10 seconds before we go back on the air. I'll look at my phone and I'll see my text message notification go up. And it's usually Loren who says, oh, can I mention this here? Can I mention that here? And it's like, okay. Uh, so Loren's not here today. So so Greg's filling that mantle. He just sent me a text like five seconds ago with like five things on it. So Greg, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, I guess the first thing, and Justine mentioned it in her in her traffic report, those lineups have already started at the Nairn Avenue testing site. And uh, what's going on in King Edward and what's going on as well on Main Street? If you could let us know, we'd love to know. 204-780-6868. We've had some snow overnight. It continues to snow. And at least two of our listeners are asking the question, where are the plows? Where are the sanders? Eve says that the south perimeter is actually quite snow covered this morning. So uh, are you sharing uh, that concern? And have you seen any plows? Have you seen any snow and sanding uh, equipment out on the highways and the streets of Winnipeg? And uh, mo- maybe most importantly, Brett, can somebody please drop some milk off for me? I went upstairs to make my morning tea. And for the first time, it's got to be years since we were out of milk in this house. We have no milk not a drop anywhere and i'm i'm befuddled <laughs> you feel helpless this never happens in our house <laughs> milk that we consume around here <laughs> uh sam by the way texted us to say the route 90 testing center was backed up past sergeant at 6 20 a.m you gotta uh, be kidding me so sam thank you for that and we had another one right around 6 19 that said naren was already backed up to kent uh, so that's uh, that's a big one. So uh, keep us updated, 204-780-6868. And, uh, Greg, I, I bid you Godspeed as you uh, venture through the morning without that milk. Um, I'll be okay. I'll survive. I just I can't believe there isn't any. It's one of those things that we just do not run out of around here. It's just talking about the world champion shot, uh, shopping that goes on around here. The milk is my responsibility, by the way. <laughs> so it's my fault. And you're a former milkman. Exactly. All right. I'm sure yeah. the, the milkman um, uh, union, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, some sort of association. <laughs> I'm out now. Like the, the milkman stonecutters uh, <laughs> are going to come after you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I'm probably going to be sanctioned somehow for this. <laughs> All right, this is a feeling that many Manitobans did not want heading into the holiday season. Uh, Uncertainty. But health officials say we can expect the Omicron variant to continue driving up case counts. And even with so many unknowns behind it all, Brett, there could be a silver lining. Global's Marnie Blunt reports. It's a highly transmissible variant that's spreading rapidly. And while the Omicron variant is still in its early stages in Manitoba, health officials say it will keep our caseloads elevated for some time yet. We only need to look over to Ontario and Quebec, uh, or quite frankly, and, and really the rest of, of the globe where we're seeing uh, lots of Omicron transmission to, to give us an indication of what we're going to see. While there is a lag in confirming data, public health estimates that Omicron accounts for about one quarter to one third of our current caseload. But there are still many unknowns surrounding the variant's severity and what it will amount to in our hospitals. It's a very uncertain time. I, I, I can't say enough how much I understand that, my family understands that, 
Um, and, and we're, you know, we're two PhDs in infectious disease, and we're trying to make sense of this hour by hour. Same thing with colleagues uh, around the globe. We're asking these same questions. The unfortunate reality is we don't have a lot of answers because this variant has moved far faster than we can get those answers. With a healthcare system already pushed to the brink by the Delta variant, officials say we need to take extreme caution amid uncertainty. But even with many unknowns, there could be a silver lining. We don't have the answers to that yet. And, and hopefully in a short period of time, we will get that answer. And the silver lining here is if it causes less severe outcomes or the same amount as Delta, our system should be able to manage. A lot more people will get infection and develop some natural immunity as well. Dr. Atwal also says our seven-day average has gone up about 60% in the last week. On average, we're seeing about 280 cases a day. Just last week, it was 175. Marnie Blunt, Global News. Now, yesterday's case count was a number that we have not seen since May. 400 new cases in Manitoba. 256 of those are in Winnipeg. 309 of Wednesday's infections are among people who were fully vaccinated. 72 had yet to be vaccinated and 19 were partially vaccinated. So just wanted to make sure to flag that, uh, that most of the cases were in the fully vaccinated. The five-day test positivity rate continues to climb 9.9% provincially, 10.6% in Winnipeg. 91 active COVID patients in hospital. 18 are in intensive care. Only two patients in ICU are fully vaccinated. So again, even though most of the cases are amongst the fully vaccinated, most of those in ICU are not fully vaccinated. There were also two more deaths reported, sadly. And so far, uh, 18 official cases of the Omicron variant reported in Manitoba. But you can, I'm sure, expect that to rise. But, Greg, it is... Nice to hear the province talking about this potential silver lining, right? Because we've been hearing anecdotally or, or through, you know, we've been seeing in South Africa where they're, they're optimistic because their cases are starting to go down after they hit their peak and uh, seeing that maybe this variant isn't necessarily as bad. It's still obviously not good, but, you know, some potential hope. Yeah, some, some several ifs in Dr. Atwal's comments highlighted in Marnie's report there. But, you know, at this point, I'll take it. Uh, we're looking at all the different numbers. We're trying to be realistic about what this is going to bring and watching things in, in other jurisdictions. That's sort of the magic elixir here. That's one of the benefits we have in Manitoba being late to these these parties every single time the waves seem to be hitting us later so we do have that benefit of seeing how things play out in other jurisdictions first so uh can i just say uh, i've got my fingers crossed that dr atwal is uh, is is correct on this and that some of those predictions come to fruition let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. You can read more at cjob.com. We've also linked that story to our Instagram story, at 680CJOB. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off. She's back tomorrow. Happy Festivus, by the way. Today is Festivus. <laughs> the airing of grievances, feats of strength. Um, I got a lot of problems with you people. Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> is that one of the best Seinfeld episodes? Like, it, there are so many things, so many pop culture references, so many uh, words and phrases that have come out of the Seinfeld franchise and, and all those incredible episodes, nine seasons worth. Is is that the biggest one? Is that the most prominent one? Oh, boy. That's a, that's, that's a debate. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back tomorrow, and we want you to text us at 204-780-6868 about last-second shopping shenanigans. Have you ever had a problem or a story? Uh, Greg, you referenced that you were stuck trying to get around the mall. I remember, um, and it was actually on this date. It was December 23rd. I had my Christmas shopping all wrapped up, but I was in near Kildonan Place, and I thought, ah, I'll drive in there and just see if I can find a couple of stocking stuffers. I don't know. And I drove, I think it was a Saturday as well. So I'm heading westbound on Regent, just passing the Canadian tire. And then I turn right on, what is it, Rougeau. Uh, So the first entrance into the mall. And I figured I'll just park wherever I can. And I couldn't even get in past the lineup coming the other way. To pull into the mall parking lot. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure. So I just ended up going around the loop that goes sort of around behind Kildonan Place. Back when it was sort of a curved road, they've since made some changes to that. But um, And it took me 45 minutes just to get out. So I went in. 45 minutes later, I finally got to Stapon and got (laughs) out of Dodge. (laughs) Oh, that was just to get to Stapon. Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, that, you know, the, yeah, the good old days of <laughs> circling the mall to try and find a parking spot. Uh, yeah, the, today's the 23rd. Uh, there's no chance you're getting me close to a mall today. Although I confess it did go yesterday. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, I went yesterday afternoon. It wasn't all that bad either. I was thankful for that. But if you're going today, we wish you Godspeed. It is minus 12 outside 680 CJOB on a snowy Thursday morning. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back tomorrow. And before we uh, talk about crossing the border and uh, duty and whatnot, uh, we just want to quickly mention some consternation, GMAC, over these uh, KN95 masks that they're giving out at places like liquor stores. That's right. And apparently, at least some of these masks, I won't say all of them because, of course, we don't know for sure, but at least some of them on the packaging would indicate that these masks have, quote unquote, expired. Mm, boy. Any sort of medical equipment, whether it's gauze, tongue depressors, all these different things, they have, they do have expiry dates on them. That doesn't mean they don't work. That doesn't mean that they're a hazard to your health. It just means that certain aspects of their manufacture cannot be guaranteed after said date. And from everything that I've read this morning, um, it's the elastic bands that are actually that, you know, that go around your ears that are at uh, biggest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the biggest, uh, uh, failure point. So th- th- that's that's really what that has to do with. And so the manufacturers will guarantee that they'll do certain things to a certain time. It doesn't mean you can't use these masks, but lots of people on social media going, yeah, of course they're expired. And, and 
<laughs> and uh, calling uh, something that was a good PR move uh, something that's uh, going to turn into a disastrous one or or one that is at least uh, making people laugh this morning. Yeah, it looks like Brittany Greenslade, uh, Global's Brittany Greenslade, got her hands on one because she posted uh, a picture yesterday on this, at least uh, in our sort of internal work communications. And it says on the, bo- the back of the box, storage life valid for one year, production date, May 24th, 2020. So that means that this package that she posted a picture of expired back in May. So that is certainly uh, not good. But, uh, yeah, when I read about this, I thought, oh, okay, that's good. I I never even heard of a a KN95 mask. So um, I know that uh, we have access to the surgical masks here at work. Right. You know, in case you forget a mask or something, or I, you mentioned the elastic, maybe your elastic snaps. So we have the the surgical masks, and uh, I I, per- I didn't really care to wear those uh, for some. I kind of liked the cloth ones with the designs because I when I, <laughs> I remember when I first put on the surgical mask, um, and I realized there's nothing weird about it, but it just felt weird because I'm not the person who. Do you typically see in the mask like that, right? When when, pe- when I first saw people walking around the streets wearing masks, I thought, "Is the apocalypse here?" But uh, honestly, I, I more than anything, I just felt like I was wearing a diaper on my face. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Uh, so, I, well, go ahead, go ahead, Brett. Uh, no, I so I just uh, I prefer the cloth in terms of appearance, but uh, the surgical mask did actually feel much better. Yeah, I've taken to wearing the surgical underneath and then the, you know, the cloth mask over top, just doing that double masking thing. And, and it actually makes me feel just a tiny bit better about what I might be exhaling and, and sending out into uh, a common area indoors in particular, and uh, also feeling better about what I'm taking in as well. So uh, yeah, the, the conversation around masking is heating up big time with regard to N95s and whether we need those and the KN95s, which are just just a, a little bit uh, less. That I think it's the micron value or something. I'm not exactly sure how they how they uh, denote one or over the other, but they they are a less expensive option. And we can also tell you, we're just getting a text here, and I think, Greg, you've see, spotted this uh, kind of thing on social media as well, uh, but uh, somebody says the KN95 masks at the location on Dakota Street were all given out yesterday. So uh, if you can find them, great, but uh, I wouldn't count on being able to uh, to find them today based on what we are seeing well, I owe you an apology here, Brett. It looks like our guest that I had arranged for uh, today to join us is not coming through. We were supposed to speak with a representative of the U.S. Custom and Border uh, Protection down in Pembina, Jeff Forche, not having any luck getting in touch with that individual. So we really wanted to get a firsthand conversation and a peek and get some advice on what do you need to be on the lookout for if you're driving across the border over the next several days? What do you need to have in hand? Uh, do you need any tests or not, et cetera, et cetera. And then in terms of uh, flying into the United States as well, what testing do you actually need to have? So uh, we'll endeavor to to, to get this uh, guest maybe for one of our other shows later on today. But I apologize, this isn't happening. And this sort of came about, I was frustrated because as most of you know, and Brett, you know, uh, Scott Mortland, my buddy in San Diego and Carlsbad, California, to be specific. Uh, we exchange Christmas gifts and we exchange birthday gifts. And so for the last several years, he's been sending these gifts by FedEx. And every single time he sends them, 
I end up having to pay 50 bucks for duty and assorted other charges. Well, this time around, he sent it by United States Postal Service. I didn't have um, quite as much duty to pay this time around and no, no other fees, but it was still 15 bucks for what uh, of duty for whatever's inside of that Christmas present. And I was just surprised that I had to pay duty on a gift. So I also had reached out to the Canadian government and border services here in Canada to get clarification on that. And they, they uh, declined our request for an interview. <laughs> so a little frustration, both sides of the border for us today. There's an interesting conundrum. If you have to pay duty on the gift, do you send the bill to the gifter? Do you say, Oh no. Oh, <laughs> hey Scott, thanks for the gift that I got to pay for. Why don't you? I'll just here. Here's what we do next year. Here's I'll just go to invoice. the store. <laughs> here's what you do next year. You just go to the store, buy what you want for yourself, and send a picture of it to him, and say, "Hey, thanks, Scott." Uh, hello there. Question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid overwhelmed by debt. Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. Does the fact Premier Heather Stephenson has not addressed Manitobans since the introduction of stricter public health orders concern you? Your options are yes, the Premier's words are important, or no, that's Dr. Brent Rusin's job. Cast your vote at cjob.com, and I'll, uh, I'll put that up on Twitter as well, at 680cjob. Hey, Brett. Yo. I'm in my basement. So I can't tell if it stops snowing or not. So I just went online, uh-huh. went into my app for my home alarm. Alarm. We have some cameras. Oh yeah, some on the camera, and I can I can say uh, with seventy percent certainty it uh, has stopped snowing in North Kildonan. Okay, so that's as far as I'm prepared to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's super like it might. It's super hazy out of my window right now, so I don't know if it's just hazy or if it's, there's some snow. I haven't been uh, out for a couple hours. So, um, In our next segment, I'm going to review The Matrix Resurrections. It opened yesterday. I was there. First screening, 11.35 a.m., and uh, wow, wow, I'm so excited to talk about it. And I'll tell you about that in our next segment. And... After Global News at 9 o'clock, we're going to talk about uh, one of Greg's favorite shows, The Bachelorette. Oh, come that's, on, don't <laughs> do this on me. <laughs> that's all I'm going to – okay, that, that's a joke, but we'll explain because there's actually a, a surprising Winnipeg connection to this week's finale. So we want to share that with you. Pretty, It's actually pretty funny stuff. But we want to continue a chat that we had – that we've been having throughout the morning. If you're homesick but you have the ability – to work from home, should you? We discussed it earlier. It's something I've been thinking about since I had to stay home a couple of weeks ago with a cold. It was the first time in my career at CJOB where I've been felled by a cold uh, while working here. Now, it was suggested to me by one of my colleagues, uh, couldn't you just bring a laptop from work home and do the show from home? To which I said, well, isn't the idea of being a home while sick that you're home resting so you can get better even if it is just a cold where does that line get drawn greg tori mcnally is director of human resources services at legacy bows i think tori might have an answer for us good morning tori i can try i do have an answer that it's snowing in river heights does that help yeah that absolutely helps <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tori. So, we appreciate the on-the-spot uh, weather reporting. Well done. You're hired. 
Thank you. So, but back to back to sick days. I mean, I think that there was a time when people used to try and show their toughness and and show up at work when they were, you know, hacking and sick, and um, that was a point of pride for employees. And I think that that I think that that is changing. I think that you know, obviously, it's now um, socially unacceptable to sneeze in public. Um, so that has to trickle into the workplace uh, as well. So then, for those who can work from home like uh, we when the pandemic first hit we sent almost everybody home and we're sending more people home greg's gone back home cameron portress is going to be working home from home starting tomorrow i didn't think it possible but it is possible so for those who can work from home if they suddenly fall ill should they be working while they're sick so I think the idea of being sick is that you're actually in bed trying to feel better, right? And so, I mean, what you don't want is that low-level sick where you're dragging, uh, you're dragging your feet around for days uh, on end. I think it's important for people to just be sick. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was a mental health day versus a sick day, because that's something that's also coming to the forefront uh, in recent years. Well, let's talk about that because I think you're right. There have been for so long these stigmas attached to uh, days where you just sort of, you feel like I I can't cope with one more day at work. And the best thing is, is to take a rest and to just step away from things for, for a work day or two. How have employers come around on that way of thinking so employers are starting to loosen their sick day policies a little bit so that they're just um, personal days. And so you could be sick for that day. You could take a mental health day for that day. Employers just say, you know, you're, we're going to give you, say, five days in the year. Uh, do what you want. If you want to have the flu, fine. If you want to go to the spa, that's okay, too. Um, but those are your five days to kind of do what you want. And I think the importance of a mental health day is a real signal to your coworkers to say, like, I am not available. For whatever reason, don't contact me. Because you're right, sick day has started to creep in to say, yeah, but are you really sick? Couldn't you just answer three emails from me, right? I mean, like that line needs to be uh, that line needs to be stronger for sure. Now, in terms of working while you're sick, if you're at home, uh, who should make the decision on on whether or not an employee does continue to work? Should that be on the company or should it be up to the employee? Because if the employee says, look, I'm, I, I feel fine or I'm not, I'm not that bad, I, I want to do my job, um, yeah. how, like that that's kind, seems kind of messy to me. Well, I think it's really dependent on like how much paid time uh, away from work people have, right? So like the province introduced that pandemic paid sick leave program that's COVID related, um, but it gives uh, it gives um, employees paid time off from work if they're uh, workplace doesn't offer that um, as part of their uh, compensation package. Like there are employers who, you know, offer one day a month um, of sick time. Um, and so uh, that makes it much easier for people to actually say, you know, I'm going to get paid for the day. I'm just going to take the day off. Um, but uh, that's not the case for every workplace. There's lots of workplaces where they don't have uh, generous policies. So lots of employees say, I'm going to work from home and maybe they just do the bare minimum, answer the bare minimum of emails kind of to scrape by to say that they're working so that they get paid for the day, which is not, um, it's not really great for the company and not great for the employee either. Yeah, I hear what you're saying on this, Tori. I'm sort of on the fence because, you know, I was mentioning to Brett earlier and 
for a big part of my working career, I've been in professions or as an entrepreneur where if I don't work, I don't get paid. And yeah. so uh, coming into work sick was just sort of the way it went and it was part of the gig, if you like. And there were times when, you know, you just couldn't cross the line if you were working with customers. There's just no way you should be face to face with customers. But I thought that with all this new technology, one of the benefits for employers who have been very generous in my mind and and very proactive, a, a lot of them in terms of keeping their employees safe. And, and there's obviously selfishness there too, because they want to keep running. But one of the benefits would be that on those days where, you know, I have the sniffles and normally I would come to work and I would get my work done, but you know what, and I'm just going to stay home colleagues. from work today and I'm going to work <laughs> from my home office. And I thought that would be sort of the happy medium, the nice benefit of, of keeping everybody healthier in the workplace and get, keeping production up. Fair to say? Fair to say. Yeah. And, and a really great option. And there's, I mean, there's a whole, there's a huge difference between the sniffles and the full blown, blown flu, right? Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. what I said at the top was for when you're feverish and still trying to, you know, like huddle around uh, the neocitrin while you, while you're, you know, got the laptop propped up in bed beside you. And that's not a place where we want any employee to be. Um, but you're right. If somebody just, you know, they, they feel, um, you know, maybe they have a light headache, but they can take a Tylenol and be able to work um, from home. Um, and maybe it's not an intensive day for them, but they do, you know, clear um, a bunch of things on their to-do list. And you're right. That's a complete win-win for the employer and the employee. Can that, no set, can that set up expectations though, or problems? Like let's say Greg does that where he, he decides, you know what, I'm going to, I'm still going to work. Um, but then the next week I say, you know what, I gotta, I'm going to do work from home because I'm not, or I'm going to go home. I'm not feeling well, um, not well enough to come into work anyway, but then I just don't work. Am I yeah. setting myself up for potential uh, problems from my colleagues? Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the the pandemic changed a lot of things because there was a lot of jobs where an employer would say there's absolutely no way that, you know, that position can work from home. And lots of employees proved that many positions can be from home and that plugging into the office isn't um, isn't necessary for um, every single day. Um, but I think that there needs to be accountability. So like whether that's a manager checking in with somebody who's working from home um, on a daily basis to, you know, make sure that they've, you know, you do it with the um, making sure that they have the tools and resources that they need to get the job done. But your ulterior motive through that is, okay, are you actually working, right? I like this discussion. I know there's no definitive right or wrong answer. Uh, I've always been frustrated with people who, you know, organizations and employers that demand these, uh, these sick notes after three days and everything, you know, like if you don't trust me about being sick, uh, we have a bigger problem in our relationship. And so that's yeah. one part of the discussion. And then the other side about these, these precedents that, that these things set. Uh, we appreciate your insight very much on this and, and your weather reporting skills as well, Tori. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime. Tori McNally joining us live on 680 CJOB from River Heights. She's the Director of Human Resources Services at Legacy Bows. And if you want to weigh in, 204-780-6868. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off until tomorrow. 
we've all got our things that we're super passionate about that we love. Greg, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would uh, say the the two biggest things that you go nuts about are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Winnipeg Jets. Correct. Throw the Foo Fighters, Van Halen, and you two into the mix. And uh, yeah, you got my top five. All right. <laughs> Look at that. Bang. Top five. Done. So for me, um, while you, Greg, you might be at home watching the sports, I might be at home watching a TV show or a movie because I'm one of the couch potatoes with Jeff Braun. And I've uh, made tried to make this not a secret at all over the years. I've declared that my favorite film of all time is The Matrix from 1999, and I don't even mind the sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions. Well, yesterday, the sequel, the forkel that I thought would never happen, happened. The Matrix Resurrections. No one can be told what The Matrix is. You got to see it to believe it. Time to fly. This is it. This is your last chance. I never believed I was the one, but she did. We were on our way to remake your world. I know it's why you're still fighting and why you will never give up. Come on, Neo, fight! I am not going to ruin anything about this plot. I'm not even going to talk about the plot because it's impossible to talk about the plot without giving away any sort of details because... The big question is, how are Neo and Trinity in this movie? Aren't they dead? By the way, if you've never seen The Matrix, the quickest way that I can sum it up is that it's set way in the future. Machines and human beings went to war. The machines won. They have enslaved humanity uh, in a power plant. Essentially, they're using human beings for power, uh, but to keep us asleep so we, they can harvest our energy, they have uh, plugged us all into a computer simulation. So the, the world that we live in is actually a computer simulation known as The Matrix. And Keanu Reeves plays Neo, a.k.a. The One, the man who's going to save them all and bring them salvation. So I love The Matrix. And Greg, yesterday at 11.35 a.m., um, well, that's when the movie was supposed to start, but after 25 minutes <laughs> of commercials and trailers. 25 minutes? <laughs> the movie didn't start until noon. I was, Sounds like you're paying duty on your time oh, man. At, at the movie theater there. <laughs> I, was getting, extra. I was getting so mad because I was so anxious. Like, come on! Just start! <laughs> but... Um, I, I loved it. Look, it's uh, it it it's the reviews are at sixty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's getting some great reviews and it's getting some not so great reviews. A lot of people are saying this movie is more interested in being self aware than it is at just telling a good story. It's very much uh, like a celebration of the original films, but it's kind of a send up of the Hollywood reboot culture but i i still think it tells a cool story i'm actually really impressed with how they reintroduced all of these characters in a way that kind of makes sense that felt relevant because the matrix was sort of at the the beginning really of when we were all getting online in a big way and here we are 20 years later you could argue that we've lost the war on that if it were if if we were at war with ourselves to to not be so plugged in we've lost that battle but uh, anyway 
I'd get more. Like, I could talk about this all day, but we got to go. I'm going to give it. I initially gave it four and a half couch cushions out of five on Twitter, but I'm going to downgrade that to four. That was an emotional reaction. It's a very emotional movie, but I have some questions. I'm kind of confused about a couple of things. So I think I need to watch it again hmm. and maybe again and, and maybe again. Keanu's good. Yay. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was great to see Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss in particular as Trinity. It was so much fun to see her back in action on the big screen. The two of them are wonderful together on the big screen. The Matrix Resurrections, four couch cushions out of five. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back tomorrow. On the subject of just listening to the music right now, Christmas music, I think there's probably one person on this planet who has no issues with time zones. That would be Santa Claus. I would think just time zones simply don't apply to Santa and his magic, his power is whatever he does to deliver all those presents. But we did have a time zone issue with our guest at 8 o'clock, GMAC, but I understand this person will be on with KK. That's right. We have recovered our conversation with Christopher Mission. He's Assistant Area Port Director, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection in Pembina. But their uh, media team is on the eastern seaboard. So I put everything in eastern time zone uh, parlance. Is that the right word? And so uh, we got a little bit confused. He thought we were doing this at 9.05 central not 905 eastern mm. something got last lost in translation so i reached out to christopher he was kind enough to say that he would join kathy kennedy and that will happen at 10 15 so all your questions about crossing into the united states uh in this time of uncertainty in this time of omicron uh answered for you in uh, just about 45 50 minutes time also, just want to say thanks to the listener who sent Greg a, a bit of a virtual Christmas card of sorts, uh, knowing that Greg is a big fan of the Foo Fighters. He says, uh, this listener says, forget about Elf on the Shelf, get ready for, and it's a picture of Dave Grohl in what appears to be some sort of a yoga outfit uh, wrapped around a stripper pole. <laughs> yeah, nobody needs to see that, I don't think. But Dave Grohl, and, and I haven't determined that's a real uh, photo of Dave or not, but uh, I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the thought, and a Merry Christmas goes out to all <laughs> celebrating uh, with Foo Fighters music or n no Foo Fighters music. I, I love you all. It does look like a potential Photoshop, but either way, Grohl on the poll, it made us both chuckle. So thank you for that. We appreciate that very much. It's actually one of the reasons why I said, you know what, I don't even, I'm fine with working Chris. I was scheduled to be off tomorrow, and I said, I kind of want to work Christmas Eve. I can't think of a, we, I love working on Fridays, and I can't think of a better Friday to work than Christmas Eve. So uh, you enjoy the day, GMAC, and uh, I'll come in here and have some fun with yeah, uh, the CJOB family for all three of us to be here, but then uh, 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 Loren uh, sort of laid down the law. Somebody needs to take that day. Fine, I'll take the day. Oh, I didn't. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> okay, so over the past month, we have been introducing you to organizations doing incredible work in the name of a better community. Yeah, it is our season of giving initiative, Brett, and this morning we want to tell you about what sounds like a magical program. Transforming Movement is a Manitoba nonprofit organization that provides accessible, affordable, and inclusive da dance lessons to folks who face barriers to movement. 
Leah Bramer is volunteer with Transforming Movement. Good morning, Leah. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. It's our sincere pleasure to have you and to to learn a little bit along with our listeners this morning about Transforming Movement, something I'd never heard of until this week. So you are indeed transforming lives through dance. Before you tell us who you assist, why dance? Why do you think this is such an effective form of of movement? Well, dance um, brings a lot of joy to people. It's, I think, a very natural thing for people to move. Little children, when you watch them play at two and three years old, they always dance uninhibitedly and with such abandon. And then I think as we uh, grow, we often become more inhibited. And um, it's a very sort of human thing, I think, to dance. Well, it really is, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I hear you on the inhibition part because uh, I used to, when I would go to the, the bar, to the nightclub in my early 20s, uh, it took me a while to, every night, it would take me a while to get out onto the dance floor. But once I was there for a few minutes, then I got comfortable and, and then I had lots of fun. But um, I remember the last, the last wet, or a couple of weddings ago that I was at. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to get up and do it in spite of the fact that I wanted to do it. So when you work with the people you work with, um, do you find that, like, do they, do they express how the dancing makes them feel? Yes, for sure. Um, you see it where we work with some um, young adults who have some challenges and it's, it really is, you used the word magical earlier, the joy on their faces, the laughter that's in the room is is just palatable. It's, it's really quite extraordinary to see. We're also working in a senior's um, home and um, seeing people in their 80s and 90s moving and smiling. It, it really is instantaneous sort of joy and, that comes to them. So talk about uh, a little bit more about who your clientele are, Leah, and, and who are you helping and and how is it uh, breaking down barriers, not only to movement, but but maybe some other social barriers as well as you, as you get them involved in this program? Right. We, we actually, we've only been around for a couple months and uh, the response has been amazing. So we are, um, we, we, um, we are sort of creating tailor-making classes for the needs of the groups or the individuals who approach us. So we've been approached by a group of adults who have children with special needs and they're looking for a little bit of respite. So we're, we're creating a class where they can come with people who are in a similar situation and, and exposing them to a whole variety of disciplines of dance. And sometimes uh, people face economic barriers. Uh, dance studios can be quite costly. Uh, so we're, we're breaking down those barriers, making classes of, available. We're working in a couple community, se- community centers right now. I think it's really the fact that our, our instructors will um, listen to the needs of the, uh, and the experiences of the clientele, and we um, sort of curate classes just to meet those needs. Now, in that terms, of, oh, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. Thank you. Um, you know, in terms of confidence, 
Do you find that uh, they, after working with you and, and, and learning to dance or getting some access to the dancing, do you find that it builds confidence within your clients? Yeah, it's wonderful for building self-esteem. You know, when you move, we know, there's been so much research on the positivity, what it does to the, to the brain, the chemicals that are released. Also, how important it is just to follow combinations. Um, that's really good for older people, especially just like kind of playing bridge or doing crossword puzzles. There's such benefits, you know, brain benefits. And then, of course, to increasing strength and flexibility, uh, all those things then make you feel better. And, and that makes you feel more confident. Well, that whole saying, uh, dance like nobody is watching, and that right. that release of inhibition, uh, endorphins, dopamine, all those different things you're talking about, uh, that word magical, I just keep coming back to that because I miss those times. You know, Brett, you mentioned going out to a nightclub or going to a, a wedding or a wedding social. Really, the, mo- the most often uh, times that, that we dance as a society, but there are people in this world who dance is a much larger larger part of their life and and they would say yeah we knew this already i'm guessing you're one of those Leah. <laughs> i think that's true but you know we'd be willing to create a class for you also <laughs> i don't know um if you want to see that anymore once upon a time i think we're, i wasn't all that bad of a dancer but now the only pe- the only person who gets to see that is uh any ghost who happens to live in my apartment <laughs> while i'm doing my dishes so well, we create a very non-judgmental, friendly atmosphere, so uh, you won't ne- you won't feel inhibited at all. <laughs> oh, Leah, your your uh, spirit is uh, infectious. We can uh, capture it and feel it in our conversation this morning. How do people reach out? How do they learn more about what you do, and 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 perhaps have you create a program for them? The best way is to go online to t- transformingmovement.com. And um, all the information is there about how to contact us and also, if you're so inclined, how to donate. All right. Well, Leah Bramer, volunteer with Transforming Movement. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me and speaking to me. Have and a good day. You too, Leah. Thank you very much. And hey, the healing power, the the transformative power of dance, even just watching it, Greg, like... Um, Remember the, the scene with Hugh Grant in Love Actually where he puts on the Pointer Sisters jump and he's, yes. and he's just cavorting about in, in his estate and then he gets busted by somebody and then he's all embarrassed. <laughs> but he was having so much fun. Well, 100%. And, you know, uh, concerts, we were just talking about the Foo Fighters, you know, uh, just that... Uh, live music you and I are both the same way it just and and I know so many of our listeners and friends are you know it just get it penetrates our our outer shell it gets right to the heart and uh, yeah I don't know why some of us are so afraid to just dance just to get down and boogie man yeah inhibitions they are they they can be debilitating that uh, somebody who with I have many inhibitions on that front and when it comes to actually getting out on a dance floor it can sometimes be uh too much to bear but this organization is helping people uh, learn how to break down those barriers and build some confidence one movement at a time and we should also mention the season of giving is brought to you by bath fitter on 680 cjob 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.